Hello, everyone. It's the Quipster Film Review Podcast. I'm Vince Leo. I'm the author of the film review website, quipster.net. You can find the written form of this review as well as many, many others at my website, qwipster.net. We're going to be looking at San Andreas. I apologize for getting this one a little bit late, um, but I had to do a lot of studying for a, an exam and uh, it took up a lot of my time, even though I had seen it several days ago. But uh, anyway, I'm getting it out now. Uh, San Andreas is an action-adventure film. It features Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Uh, it's a PG-13 film for intense disaster action and mayhem throughout, and some brief strong language. It clocks in at an hour and 54 minutes. Uh, it co-stars Carla Gugino, uh, Paul Giamatti, Alexandra Daddario, Ian Gruffudd, uh, Hugo Johnstone-Burt, um, and uh, Kylie Minogue gets a small appearance in it as well. Uh, Brad Payton is the director, and Carlton Cuse did the screenplay. Uh, I would say San Andreas is a meat-headed special effects film through and through, um, basically just an excuse to deliver yet another disaster porn epic, hoping that the titillation that people feel when watching buildings crumble and things blowing up real good uh, plus the box office allure of Dwayne The Rock Johnson will be enough to recoup a few hundred million dollars at the worldwide box office. Uh, in this film, Johnson plays a Los Angeles fire department uh, fireman and helicopter rescue pilot named Ray Gaines. And uh, Gaines ends up commandeering an LAFD chopper in order to try to rescue his soon-to-be ex-wife. She's just filed divorce papers that he doesn't want to sign, and also his college-age daughter before they're crushed in the rubble following a series of mammoth earthquakes, the likes of which California has never seen before, at least not on record. Uh, San Andreas feels like a throwback to the to those disaster films that you might remember from the 1990s into the 2000s. Um, films like uh, Twister and Deep Impact and Volcano, Independence Day, Day After Tomorrow, and a host of lesser ones. You know, technically, I guess, Independence Day, maybe it's not a disaster film outright because you had a reason for things, uh, you know, coming apart. But um, I would say that... It fits in with all of the others because in all of these films you always watch the uh, the monuments, the well-known uh, landmarks. Uh, they're always at the hub of uh, whatever disaster is going on, so I count that too. You might also be reminded somewhat of the film uh, that came out in 2009 called uh, 2012 with John Cusack and because it was just no- nothing but a big special effects extravaganza and you had all of these, you know, basically you just watched it in order to see cities fall apart. Um, <clears throat> now, obviously, this one's a much smaller scale geographically, even though the amount of destruction seems about the same. You might also be reminded of Die Hard, uh, because you have a hero here trying to save his ex uh, or estranged wife or whatever, and his and also try to save his marriage, and uh, only in this version, in- interestingly enough, you have a British-accented character, but he's playing kind of a good guy. He's played by Australian actor Hugo Johnstone-Burt, uh, but there is an actual British actor who plays a uh, kind of the closest thing that the movie has to a bad guy, <clears throat> but he's donning an American accent. That's Ian Gruffudd as the uh, architect boyfriend to 
uh, Carla Gugino, who's the uh, the ex-wife or soon-to-be ex-wife, and uh, you know he's this architect that's set to unleash the biggest erection in San Francisco. Uh, this building he's working on, and uh, you know you can see the climax coming a mile away. Um, now, essentially, things are destroyed to bits while people try to flee the scene. That's what you see for most of it, and usually right in the nick of time. Um, oh, pretty much always in, in the nick of time. Uh, and in the least bloody way possible, because it's a PG-13 film, you've got body parts getting impaled or crushed by falling debris, but it seems, despite what might be hundreds of thousands, perhaps even millions of people who are being either uh, injured or killed by the calamity around them, uh, you wouldn't know it by what we see on screen because all we really seem to care about, or at least the filmmakers seem to care about, is whether or not The Rock can find his family and save them. doesn't really bode well for first responders if the first thing that they do in a natural disaster is just take whatever equipment is supposed to be used to help people and just use it to fly around or drive around and see if their own family is okay, um, and then not really care about anybody else around them. So buildings topple over and over and over, and the streets crack and crumble from underneath. So it's all very impressive, you know, digital effects, but uh, redundant because it just keeps happening. Uh, and at no time does any of this really raise the heart rates. It's, uh, you know, millions of lives may be in jeopardy, but... Um, you just kind of watch and, you know, admire the effects, I guess. And, uh, you know, that's probably, I, I always say, you know, some people say, well, that's what I paid to see. But I always say, that means the movie's a failure. If you can have, if you're going to have a disaster film and you don't care whether people are dying, then you're not doing a really good job as a disaster film. All you're doing is, uh, is, it's special effects or disaster porn, in which case pe- you're just trying to titillate people with uh, visions of destruction, basically. So, I would say San San Andreas is a pretty tedious movie. It doesn't really have anything of value to say. Uh, You're not going to learn a lot uh, about the uh, seismology from the film, even though you have uh, Paul Giamatti playing this, you know, seismologist who's uh, always spouting facts and figures and things like that, but... You know, what you see doesn't have a lot of basis in reality, even though there there is a technically, you know, scientists and seismologists do warn that at some point a, a big disaster is going to happen in California, but, you know, n- nothing like what you're going to see here. And uh, it's really just a product for people, viewers, to see lots of computer-generated effects shots of well-known California cities and landmarks like you know, uh, Nevada, you got, you got your Hoover Dam, you got your Golden Gate Bridge, there's tsunamis and earthquakes and rifts and, you know, it goes anywhere from Los Angeles to Bakersfield to, you know, the Bay Area. Uh, all of it crumbling to near non-existence. And so if that's all you're really looking for, yes, it does deliver that. And it's not much more than that. And if you watch the commercials, you kind of see, or the trailer, you already see some of this destruction. It's just going to give you more of that. The script really is atrocious. Uh, the characters are very thinly defined, and the direction is downright epileptic. It's, you know, shaky cam, and just, all it is is just an excuse to, in the background, see buildings crack and crumble, and 
the Rock is there, and he has, you know, the, what, what you expect from Dwayne Johnson is screen presence. He's got this macho charisma. You know, he plays a variety of characters in his film, but in, in most of his films, he's, he's just The Rock, and so you root for The Rock because you like The Rock, I guess, but uh, that's about it. It's But in this film, he's just there. He's a placeholder, and, and he takes the backseat to this special effects. Uh, this female supporting cast, you got Cugino and Daddario, and they're there, uh, I guess to give The Rock somebody to save, but they're also there really for eye candy, both seemingly cast for their impressive bounce factor displayed whenever they run from calamity. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> whoever did the wardrobe was probably told, make sure that we see a lot of bouncing whenever they're running, and they run quite often. Uh, the characterizations are, I wouldn't even say they lend to great heroism. As I mentioned, Gaines is this helicopter pilot. He's supposed to be uh, rescuing people, and yet all he really cares about is where is his wife, where is his daughter. That's all he can, you know. I'm, I guess it's human nature, but uh, you know, all around him there are people he could be saving, but he doesn't really bat an eye to them. Uh, you would expect that from you know a, any normal dad, but when you you know, you're, you're basically tasked with saving as many people as you can. Kind of makes you wonder. Uh, now, Gaines' daughter, whose name is Blake in the film, is also, I guess she takes after Dad in many ways, including some bouts of heroism herself. Uh, in one scene, they discover a fire truck, and they steal equipment right from off the truck. So, I mean, that equipment probably could have been used to save others. But, hey, they they need it, so why why not just take it for themselves? Everything in the script seems to require that the characters say what they're thinking or are about to do out loud. And uh, for fear, I guess we won't understand, due to the lack of expository information uh, in the script, or in we're just not shown anything. And so we always have to, you know, whatever the characters are about to do, they're about to tell us, and whatever the reaction is, they have to tell us, and even tell us what they're feeling at any given time. Um I can't say it's not without entertainment value because while I'm watching it, I'm thinking, wow, this is kind of funny in a, in a uh, maybe an unintentionally campy kind of way. Uh, I, you know, I, I can't really give them credit because it's, I, I think they were, it's not that they were trying to make a good movie. I think they just don't care. They knew what they were making. They knew if they get the rock in here and a bunch of special effects, people, that's all people want to see. So there wasn't a lot of effort to try to make it any kind of Academy Award caliber motion picture, but, um, I would say most of the people that I went to go see the film with, uh, or at least some of them anyway, not most, but there were some of them, including myself, who just started laughing uh, during certain bits of dialogue that you have throughout the movie. The director's Brad Payton, and you'd think Payton wouldn't have the kind of gravitas, given his pre- previous history in films, to be handed the reins of a $100 million production, and he doesn't really know what to do except to get people running around and just let them do that while the special effects coordinators and the sound work help to make things look and sound exciting despite it. And he doesn't really do a great job eliciting gripping performances from any of his actors. And uh, he's worked with The Rock before in uh, Journey 2. Um, and, you know, I can't really lay blame on the actors for the really stiff performances here because I think that... For the most part, they don't have any good dialogue to spout, but also they're handcuffed by having to perform 
all of these emotions that they're supposed to be feeling and stating to things that they can't see or hear that are happening around them. So all of the surroundings are being filled in, uh, you know, after filming has already wrapped, and yet, you know, they're supposed to give us some sense of fear or despair, but we don't really get it here. Uh, if there was problem, if there was an emphasis here on a better script, Carlton Cuse, uh, who is a screenwriter, he did a great job on TV's Lost uh, as a screenwriter, but also one of the creators. But he's clearly lost himself on what to do here. I think there should have been more emphasis on making things realistic, you know, to the, for the most part, because, you know, I, what you, I know it's an action movie, but it should have at least felt like people were actually in mortal danger. I, I think that that's really what the movie is ultimately missing, is this rooting interest that anything that we see is not just movie, that actually people are are, are in jeopardy. Um, I think San Andreas could have emerged as a true entertainment if we just got some of that. Instead of uh, what we ha- what we have left is just this pornography of destruction and this excuse for Dwayne Johnson fans to get out to the theaters. So if we cared about the characters and they behaved in a manner that normal human beings might in their situations, this could have been a, a pretty exciting movie to behold. But instead, it's just one that's interesting visually, but really vacant intellectually. Now, there's an attempt here to try to give a backstory to the defunct marriage, and it's some story involving the death of another daughter that caused the couple uh, to drift apart, but I would say that that's really as artificial and pointless as the rest. I mean, it's just, you know, why even bother? Uh, It's hard to care about the plight of someone who's already dead and buried from years back when right in front of you, you have millions of people that are supposedly losing their lives of their own loved ones all across the San Andreas Fault line. So speaking of the San Andreas Fault, I would say it's not the San Andreas Fault where the origin of the disaster lies. The fault lies mostly in the creative minds. And I say creative uh, semi-sarcastically. <laughs> the fault lies with them. They can they concocted this uninspired disaster flick, and it's it ends up being a semi disaster on its own. So I'm giving San Andreas two stars. Two stars means that it could have been at least watchable, if not for the fact that it's lacking some real vital component or two. Obviously, the script is definitely the the worst part of this. So without any good story or good characters to watch, all we're getting is a lot of special effects and Dwayne The Rock Johnson in probably one of the most forgettable performances of his career. So I do not recommend this for anyone, but, uh, you know, the rock fans will be rock fans, and they're going to see it no matter what. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. If you want to reach me, you can write to me at quipster at gmail.com. You can follow me at quipster on Twitter. You can like me on Facebook, facebook.com slash quipster.net, and the website where you can find all of this information, quipster.net. The spelling of quipster is with a W, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R, in all of those uh, different forms. So I'd like to thank you, for everybody, for listening. Uh, coming up soon, I will finally get <laughs> into my belated review of Pitch Perfect 2, uh, which I'll be seeing in the next day or two. So uh, keep it... Uh, uh, subscribe on this one and we'll get to all of these uh, the latest movies independent releases VOD releases and of course the wide releases that uh, that I bring you here every day or two 
Thanks, everyone, and enjoy your time at the movies.